0: On, somebody say amen. It's why I felt like it was urgent for me to go ahead and tell you what I feel like the Holy Spirit would say to you this morning, because the soil is prepped. And so when the soil is prepped, how many know you should just go right on and sow the seed when the soil is prepped? And so just for a few moments, I want to uh, open the Word of God to you today, and uh, as I open my iPad. And we're going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture, but a Scripture that I believe holds great truth. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1, as we look at the Old Testament story of Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. Now, the boy Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, where there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was laying down in his place, and when his eyes had become to grow dim, that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was laying down, And the Lord called to Samuel and said to him and answered him, Here am I. And so he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you, you lay down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called to him again and said, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he answered and said, I did not call you, my son, Lay down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called to Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I for you. Did you call? Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he calls you, that you must say this, Speak, Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lie down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered and said, Speak, for your servant hears. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought Maybe God is trying to tell you something. Maybe God is trying to tell you something. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, maybe God is trying to tell you something. Maybe God is trying to tell you something. How many would agree with me that God desires to speak to us? But let me say that how many believe that God desires to speak to us? He longs to have a relationship with us. As you know, according to Scripture, sin has broken that relationship, but through Jesus, that relationship can be restored, where each of us can have communion and intimacy with God again. But my friends, each of us have a responsibility to play. As a Christian, you have a responsibility to play. You have a wonderful responsibility to play. In a relationship, it takes two parties. One party can't do it all. Two parties must give the same equal amount of time and effort and resources. In other words, each party must give 100% to the relationship. Well, my friends, Jesus already gave His 100%. And it is up to us to cultivate that relationship with the Lord. If you want to have a relationship with the Lord, if you want to hear His voice intimately, you've got to cultivate that. That means you have to do something. If you're just waiting on the Lord to do it all, it will never be done. The Lord has already done what He it needed to be done. You have to cultivate it and you have to foster it. There was a preacher years ago that told a story about a husband and wife who newly got married and was excited about their future, was excited about having kids. This man was a country boy. She was a country girl. And on certain days, they would go out to get ice cream. And they would get in their pickup truck and go down that old dusty road and back roads as they ate ice cream and listened to country music. The preacher once said that this couple was so close that you couldn't even put anything between them because she was practically sitting on his lap in the truck. They were so close. I mean, romance was in the air, love was in the air, and they would just go down the road in that pickup truck on those old back roads, listening to country music, eating ice cream, basically sitting on top of each other. They were so close. Years had went by. Years and years had went by. They had children, went through heartaches and troubles and trials. One day, in their later years of their life as grandparents, they decided to go out to reminisce, reminisce as they did in their younger days. So they got up, got in their old pickup truck that he saved all those years. It barely worked. But he just wanted to do it to reminisce. So they got in the truck, and got it, got going down that old... Back roads, turned on the music. He looked over to his dear wife that he had for 40 plus years and he noticed that she was so far away on the other side. She looked at him and he looked at her and they looked at each other because they remembered when they were younger how they almost used to sit on each other's lap. And both of them made eye contact because both of them was thinking the same thing. That grandma looked at granddad and said, Honey, what's happened to us? We used to be so close. We used to sit so, so close together. Oh, you know, grandpa was a little sarcastic. He looked at grandma and said, I didn't move. You see, sometimes in our relationship with the Lord, we can serve the Lord all these years and we go through a dry spell where. We don't think we're hearing from the Lord any longer. And it seems like life is mundane and routine and church is just something that we do on Sunday. And and we used to have the fire. We used to have the excitement. We used to serve the Lord with passion. We used to serve the Lord with excitement. But it seems like all these years have passed and we're just now going through the routine and rituals and we're not really hearing from the Lord any longer. Our hearts are not really pricked. Our hearts are not really excited about what God wants to do. And... And my question to you today, church, is who moved? Who moved? God didn't move. And listen, it takes years. Our relationship is just like that. It takes years. A little bit of compromise. And you scoot a little bit towards the door. A little bit of missing here and missing there. We Neglect spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices and we just further go towards the door. The passenger side. And what happens to the door? You could easily fall out. You need to stay close to the driver. You need to stay close to the master. And I want to ask you this question. The Lord has done everything that He needed to do but you have to cultivate that relationship with the Lord. And you must be intentional about your spiritual growth and spiritual development so that you don't move further from the Lord, but that you move closer to the Lord. How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to move closer to the Master. I want to move closer to the driver. You see, Abraham was that man of the Old Testament where the Bible says he was a friend of God. Isn't that amazing that God would call you a friend that's exactly what Abraham was. There was men and women in the scriptures, patriarchs and matriarchs who walked with God. Abraham walked with God and was called a friend of God. Enoch walked so closely with God that one day as he was walking God decided to take him home because he was closer to his address than his own address. You see God doesn't call perfect people. He calls people who are available. People who are hungry. And people who are dedicated even in spite of their struggle and their their sin. You see, here is a story that's proposed to us this morning about a man who was hungry for God, Samuel. He was hungry. He heard God's voice. God was cultivating something in Samuel's life. Samuel was anointed and appointed to the nations. God was getting ready to do something new in the nation. God was getting ready to do something spectacular. Now I want to make sure you understand something. That this passage, this narrative is about Samuel hearing the voice of God. And at first Samuel did not hear the voice. He didn't know what the voice was. He didn't know how to discern the voice. It was his mentor, Eli, which was the priest who helped him to discern the voice of the Lord. Now listen, we live in a culture where everybody hears from the Lord. I mean, you talk to sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so and everybody is hearing from the Lord. And everybody's got a word from the Lord. Well, let me just break it down, my friends. Everybody that says they have heard from the Lord doesn't mean they've heard from the Lord. I'm going to say that again and I think I'm just going to, just going to say it real loud. Everybody that hears from the Lord doesn't really hear from the Lord. My main concern is not whether you've heard thus and this and whether you need. My concern is, are you being obedient to what you already know to be true? And that is the spoken, the written word of the living God. The Holy Spirit will prompt you in the direction that you should go. But everybody is throwing the the, the God card. You ask somebody to do something and they'll say, God told me not to do it. You ask somebody and and what are you supposed to say when they throw the God card to you? but right, it throws the God card. And this is the thing. I am a little, I don't know, I think people are a little bit too prideful in their ability to always hear God's voice. As if you're the authority, as if you know the voice of God all the time and you never miss it. So you mean to tell me that we are born from Adam and Eve and we have an Adamic nature that is broken? And you mean to tell me you can't miss it sometimes? You say, well, Pastor, what about Scripture? Well, I'm glad because I came prepared. I want to show you this Scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse number 2, here is a prophet by the name of Jeremiah who wasn't so sure about what God was saying. He put his trust and reliance on the Lord. And the Bible says that Jeremiah, how Babylon besieged Jerusalem, took those people captive, and here, here is... Jeremiah in captivity, and the Bible says that Jeremiah is in prison. Everybody say prison. He is in prison. Verse number two, he was shut up in the prison. So here is a man who is in prison. Now, this is an interesting concept here, is because here is a prophet of God in prison, and he hears the voice of God. And listen, sometimes you hear the voice of God in unlikely places. So Jeremiah is in prison. He hears the voice of God, but he's in prison. He's actually in a dungeon. Verse number 6. As he's in the dungeon, the Bible says the word of the Lord, Hannibal, uh the son of Shulam, the, uh, his uncle came to him and saying, you should buy this field. So he is in a prison. He is in a dungeon. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says to Jeremiah, you need to buy this field. Now Jeremiah... Heard the voice of God. The Bible says he heard the, the word of the Lord came to him. Look at verse number 6. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Where was Jeremiah? Jeremiah was in prison. Jeremiah was in a dungeon. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And the word of the Lord is you need to buy this field from your uncle. Now the Bible says this. I want you to pay attention. The Bible says in verse number, verse number 8. The Bible says... Says, he's pleased by this field. I want you to look at the end of it. He says, And this I knew that this was the word of the Lord. This I knew. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. In other words, somebody came to confirm the word of the Lord to Jeremiah. He wasn't for sure of the word of the Lord, he was in dungeon. He was in an unlikely place. Verse number six, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, but Jeremiah wasn't too sure of it until it was confirmed by somebody else. Listen, I have learned this, that as I am waiting on the Lord and I'm seeking the Lord and I want to hear God's voice, I do believe God wants to speak to me and God does speak to me, but I do believe sometimes I miss it because my desires, my affections, and my feelings are idolized as God's in my life. So sometimes I pray through my own brokenness and I pray through my own perceptions and I pray through my own insecurities. So sometimes if I feel like the Lord is speaking to me, I will wait for a confirmation from somebody else. And every time I've done it, the Lord has always confirmed the inner voice from an outside voice. Always. Always. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And then I knew that this was the Lord. This I knew that it was from the Lord. Don't proceed without confirmation. Don't proceed. Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. But Peter never got out of the boat to walk on the water until the Lord said, Peter, come. In other words, he got clearance before crossing and there are so many Christians that just want to jump out of the boat and try to walk on the water and then they sink and then they want to blame everybody else but you've got to have clearance before crossing in other words it was confirmed by the Lord's voice that he should walk on the water so what are you saying preacher I'm saying this that sometimes when you hear the voice of the Lord, you need to wait for confirmation as Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet. A a prophet of God who is anointed and appointed, and yet he still needed confirmation from the Lord. So let me just remind you of what's going on in this story. This story is a really interesting story because Eli is the priest. Eli has two sons. Now, if you know anything about his sons, you'll know that these sons are sinful, they're evil. And the Bible says, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12, the priest Eli has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. These two sons were evil and they were corrupt. Now the sons of Eli was corrupt and they did not know the Lord. So I want you to get the background of this story. Eli is the pastor. He has two sons and they are corrupt. All right, They're corrupt. And the father, Eli, was very passive about his children's sin. Now, I don't want to preach here, but I could really preach a sermon here how the American culture elevates our children above the Word of God. It's sin until your baby does it, and when your baby does it, it's really not sin any longer. I think I'm going to... When Johnny and Susie, when they do, it's really not sin. They're just having a bad day. But here Eli, Eli was corrupt. Eli, his sons were corrupt. They didn't know the Lord. The Bible says that Eli was passive about correcting them. Now he did bring it to their attention, but he didn't remove them. He was very passive about it. I want you to see this. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 22. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 22. I want you to look at the context here. Eli is very old. And he heard everything his sons did to all of Israel. And how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all of the people. No, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. One man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? In other words, he's saying, you're you're my son. You're in the priesthood. You shouldn't be doing this. Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Nowhere in this scripture does Eli remove them from the pastoral ministry. He just says, be doing that, that's not good to be having sex at the door of the church. This is what these boys were doing. These boys were having orgies at the temple gate. And then they were taking offerings and they were pocketing themselves. And his father says to these boys, you shouldn't be doing this. You're causing the people to sin. But nowhere in this narrative does the father remove them from pastoral ministry. He's very passive. Now, how do I know that Eli's very passive about this? Well, Eli's old. He's passive concerning sin. He doesn't have this spiritual understanding. He's very slow about things because in 1 Samuel chapter number one, Hannah is praying to the Lord, and Eli mistakes that she's a drunk woman. And what does Hannah do? Hannah's like, Hannah's like, listen, Pastor, I'm not drunk. Look at it. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 12. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse number 12. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 12. And it happened as she continued to pray before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but a voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Verse 14, so Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put the wine away from you. Verse 15, But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk neither wine or intoxicating drink, but I've poured my soul out before the Lord. So here is a priest who's very old. He doesn't have the best discernment. He's accusing a woman of being drunk when she's not really drunk. She's praying. Here, this man is really passive concerning his children's sin. And in spite of all of this, God still uses Eli. He is still in ministry. He is still in priestly. He's still a priest, and God used him. And it brings me such encouragement that sometimes we can make wrong decisions with our children. Sometimes we don't make the best decisions. Sometimes we don't have the best discernment. Sometimes we don't always hear the Lord correctly. But God still uses us. Eli was a good man, he was just slow and passive, didn't correct things. He was off in his discernment. The Bible says he probably was undisciplined. No? He had some health problems. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 18. He had some health problems. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse number 18 that, uh, that he fell backwards to this and he his neck got broke and he died, for the man was very old, the man was heavy. So this man was undisciplined this man was passive this man was this man didn't discern the voice of the lord this man couldn't see he's old i mean he's feeble he couldn't see he had many things against him but yet he's a part of the narrative of what god was getting ready to do The Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Verse number 1, 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. In other words, there wasn't a prophet on the scene to speak the word of God. God used prophets. Before He used the prophets, He used judges. God always had somebody to speak His word. He always had somebody to proclaim His Word. And Israel was in a state of corruption. Israel was in a state of sin. And there wasn't very many prophets preaching against sin. There wasn't very many prophets speaking against the corruption. Very, very, very few. In other words, it was very rare in those days for a prophet to speak against sin. That sounds like the 21st century church, don't it? I mean, here it was rare. No revelation, no visions from the Lord. There was no miraculous things happening among the people of God. There was no visions, no voice, very few prophets. It was very dim. It was very dark in those days. But in the midst of all of that, God was getting ready to speak. God was getting ready to do something new. God was going to raise up a man He was going to raise up a Samuel, and God was going to put a voice in Samuel's mouth. He was going to give Samuel a voice to Israel, and he was going to bring Israel back to repentance. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we need today. We need somebody to speak the word of God without fear and favor. We need somebody to stand up in the corruption that we're living in today, I mean, here is great corruption, but God was getting ready to do something. And isn't it interesting? I want you to see this. It's interesting that the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare. No prophets were speaking. And then the Bible says, Eli, the Bible says in verse 2, 1 Samuel 3, verse 2, Eli's eyes are dim. He couldn't see. And then number 3, the Bible says in verse number 3 of chapter 3, the Bible says the lamp of God... And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the Ark of the Covenant was and where Samuel was laying. So you see three different things going on here. You see that the Word of God was rare. You see that the pastor, the priest, his eyes were very dim. He couldn't hardly see. He's old. And then number three, you see that the light in in the temple was going dim. In other words, the menorah, the candlestick, in the tabernacle, and it was the responsibility of the priest to every, every morning to go light the candles. And those candles, he would have to light them at least twice a day, and those candles would last all day, and it would last all throughout the night. And every morning, the priest had to go light those candles. So this scripture is telling us that right before the lights went out, Right before it went out, so that's speaking that it's almost morning because the priest had to light it every morning. So, right before the lights went out, right before it went out, at the dawn of the day, right when the sun is coming up, right when the sun is at the dawn of the day, God began to speak. God began to speak to Samuel right at the break of a new day because it tells us that every morning in the book of Exodus that the priest had to light the candles every morning. So obviously, Eli, with his help with Samuel, every morning they would light the candles in the temple. But it was right before it went out. And see, there's a lot of typology here. Israel is sinning. Israel is in corruption. His sons are sinning at the temple gate. I mean, there is widespread corruption, the priesthood is in corruption, and in the midst of all that, you see this typology. You see his eyes being dim, he can't see, the light's almost going out, and the Word of God is rare. It means that there is a dimness in Israel. It speaks of it physically, but spiritually you see, it's dim in Israel. In Israel, people had a hard time seeing God. They can't hear God. The lights are gone out. The Word of God is rare. But in the midst of all that, God was getting ready to speak. And as I was studying this Scripture, I found out another Scripture in Matthew chapter 28. This is just typology. Matthew chapter number 28 and verse number 1. I want you to see something familiar here. Matthew chapter 28 and beginning with verse number 1, I want you to see what God does at the resurrection story. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number 1. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse number 1. And I want you to see what happens here. Now, after the Sabbath, as, it, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Do you see what happened? Right at the break of day, at the dawn, at the break of the day, is when the resurrection happened. In other words that's when the miraculous happened. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, at the break of the day, at dawn, right before the lights went out is when God began to speak to Samuel and God began to do a new thing in Israel. His voice was going to be heard again. And I want to let you know today when you look around in the world and you look around in the church, things look dim. It looks like people don't have no spiritual perception any longer. It seems like our eyes are dim. It looks like the word of God is rare. It seems like The the wheat, it seems like the tares are overcoming the wheat. But I want to let you know that we're in the prime opportunity for God to do something. We're in the prime opportunity for God to speak. Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to shout up in here. I'm telling you, it may look dim today. It may look like the lights are going out. It may look like the prophets are no longer speaking. It may look like things are going downhill. But I'm telling you, we're in the last of the last days. And that tells me we're living in the greatest of all, the greatest days of history because God is getting ready to speak at the dawn of a new day. The lights are going down, but the sun is getting ready to come up and God is getting ready to speak again like He's never spoke before. Hallelujah! So right at the dawn of the day, God began to speak. God began to speak. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. There's no reason for us to be discouraged this morning. No reason for us to hang our head low. No reason for us to give up. I don't care what equality act may pass in Congress or the House. It doesn't, it's, not going, it's not going to deter the Word of the Lord. I said it's not going to affect the Word of the Lord. As a matter of fact, we grow under persecution. Hallelujah! So, so right at the dawn of the day, God... Begin to speak. He spoke to Samuel. Eli, listen, Eli was the trained priest. Eli was the man that was trained in pastoral duties, he was the seminary pastor. Samuel was Dropped off at the temple by his mother Hannah. Remember? Chapter 1, Hannah prayed for a baby. The Lord gave her a baby and she said, I'll give the baby back to you. It was Samuel. So what did Hannah do? Hannah took the baby and let Eli be his mentor. So Samuel was kind of like in a mentorship program. He is staying at the temple, sleeping in a court near the Ark of the Covenant, he's sleeping there. Why was he sleeping there? Because he was an assistant to Eli, because Eli could not see. Eli had uh, He was old. So therefore, when Eli would call him, Samuel would run to the priest and take care of the priest because he's old. So you have Eli, who is the trained professional clergy, And then you have Samuel who is in training. And you know what I like about this? Eli wasn't a perfect mentor. He wasn't a perfect priest. He wasn't a perfect pastor. Because God don't give you perfect mentors. Isn't that the modern church? They find something wrong with you and they to the next church. He wasn't perfect. He's the trained. He has experience. Samuel had a willingness to learn. Did you notice how quickly Samuel went to Eli? Every time Samuel discerned a voice in the temple, he quickly got up and ran to Eli and said, Eli, did you call me? And Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. As he's laying in bed, he hears a voice. And what does Samuel do? He jumps up quickly, goes back into the room to Eli. Say, Eli, did you call me? No, I didn't call you. He goes back to bed, hears another voice. For three times, Samuel had a submissive, obedient, and a willing heart. And let me tell you something. If you're ever going to make it in the ministry, you're going to have to have a submissive, obedient, and willing heart combined with somebody that's not perfect, but can help you navigate to hear the voice of God. Sometimes you need somebody in your life to help you hear the voice of God. Samuel was untrained. Samuel had an untrained year. Eli had been in ministry for years. He knew what to say. He knew protocol, even though he wasn't perfect. He knew what to say. Both of them, listen to me, both of them working together, Samuel heard God's voice. He was willing and obedient. Quickly, he was obedient and willing to get up and run to Eli. He was obedient, he was willing, he was submissive. Yet, a trained person, somebody who had experience, worked with him to hear and discern the voice of God. And nowhere in this scripture is Eli degrading to Samuel. He was very gentle with the boy. Josephus said he was probably 12 or 13 years old. He was very gentle with Samuel. He called him son. He, he was very gentle with him. Because if we're going to hear the voice of God, you need to hook up with somebody who is not going to condemn you because you get it wrong. But you need to hook up with somebody that has... Can, can, is there anybody up in here If you're going to hear the voice of God, you need to hook up with somebody that is gracious to you, that is understanding to you, and understands that sometimes you don't got a discerning ear, and that's all right. because I'm going to come alongside of you, and I'm going to help you to discern what God wants to say to you. You see, it's the older generation working with the younger generation. Eli is the older generation Samuel is the younger generation. And when you work together, you will hear the voice of God. It's not about having an old church. It cracks me up. People, people start church and say, all we want is 40 people and below. And then when they get 40, they change the age limit, you know? I don't want a young church. I don't want an old church. I don't want a middle-aged church. I want the church. And the church is young. The church is old. The church is middle-aged. The church is... It's all of us working together. It's the Samuel and the Eli's working together. It's like when the multitude was fed. You remember when the multitude was fed? They brought a little boy to the Lord and the little boy had a what? lunch. And what did the Lord do? He took the little boy's lunch and blessed it. And it fed a multitude. Now hold on here. The disciples are the one that the disciples are the one that found the little boy's lunch. The disciples brought the lunch to the Lord. The little boy, listen, the little boy had the resource, but he didn't have the platform to get to Jesus. The disciples had the platform to get to Jesus, but they didn't have the resources. So, when the little boy's lunch came in contact with the disciples who had a platform to get to Jesus... It's when the older generation and the younger generation is working together, the multitude are fed. The little boy, the little boy, the little boy represents. The younger generation. The disciples represent the older generation. The disciples had the platform and the influence to get to Jesus, but they didn't have the resources. The little boy didn't have the influence and the platform to get to Jesus, but he had the resources. But when both of them come together, the multitude is fed. But in the modern day generation, we want to fight for 45 minutes and how to feed the multitude. But I want to let you know when we all get together and we work together, the multitude can be fed it can be fed. When they're working together, it can be fed. Eli and Samuel working together to hear the voice of God. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing. I've got to dance a little bit here this morning. Hallelujah. I said, how many believes God's getting ready to speak? Listen, then it's interesting in this story that you can never underestimate a child's ability to serve God. You can never underestimate a child's ability to serve God. First Samuel chapter number one and verse eighteen. But Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter one, verse eighteen. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. 1 Samuel chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 18. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18, look at this. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. You can never underestimate a child's ability to serve the Lord. And that's why I encourage you that when you come to church and your child doesn't look like they're paying attention and they're coloring or they're talking, that's all right. Because what's happening to them is greater than what's happening around them because they are like a sponge that as they're setting their coloring and as they're setting their writing and as they're setting looking like they're distracted, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is piercing their heart, it's going into their heart, and it's planted it into the soil of their life, and that is why you can never discount a child's ability to serve the Lord. Parents. You're not called to protect your child from everything. You're called to prepare your child. You can't protect him or her from everything. It's ludicrous. But you can prepare the child to respond correctly. You can prepare the child for life and service and worship. You can prepare the child to tithe and to give and to be generous. You can prepare the child to be a successful co-worker in the workforce. You can prepare the child to respond to criticism correctly. You can't protect them from negativity. You can't protect them from every bully. You can't protect them from everything. But you can prepare them. And that's exactly what Hannah did. Hannah prepared him. Number two, never underestimate Power of involvement. Hannah was his mother. She was involved in his life. First Samuel chapter one verse nineteen. Hannah, his mother, was involved in Samuel's religious education. Religious education. First Samuel chapter two. I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter two, and verse number nineteen. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 19, look at it. Moreover, his mother used to make him what? A little robe. And bring it to him year after year when she came up with her husband to offer yearly sacrifice. The yearly robe was a priestly robe. Eli was his mentor. Eli was his mentor. Eli's the priest. He is mentoring him, but his mother was involved in his religious upbringing. Year after year, She made sure that her child was taken care of religiously. And what happened? As a result of Hannah being involved in Samuel's life, the Bible says that he turned out to be a powerful man. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 19, the Bible says that Samuel grew, and the word of the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Why? He had a mentor. He had somebody in his life to help him discern the Word of God. He he was submissive and willing and obedient. Quickly, he went to Eli. His mother was involved. Even as a child, he ministered to the Lord. Number three, never underestimate the presence of God. The Bible says, that Samuel was in the temple sleeping near the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant symbolizes God's presence. He heard God's voice in God's presence. He heard God's voice in God's presence. If we want to hear God's voice, we have to cultivate the presence of Number four, in closing, never underestimate the need of spiritual leaders. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, He ministered to the Lord before Eli. In other words, he was under Eli's leadership. Isn't it interesting to me, as we close, that Samuel was busy serving the Lord and then the Lord spoke to him? He was busy serving up under leadership and then the Lord spoke to him? The Christian life is not about us just sitting in a convent waiting for God to speak to us. Go on with your life. Get busy. God speaks to people who are serving Who are busy. And isn't it interesting that he served Eli even when Eli made wrong decisions? David served Saul even when Saul tried to murder him. David would dare not cut the end of his robe off. Because David said, I don't agree with everything you do, but I am an honorable person. He served under leadership. It wasn't necessarily the best but that's all there was. Now, maybe if there was another thing, that would be bad. But this was all there was. He had to learn how to hear God's voice in the midst of all. Did you notice the willingness of Samuel three times? Samuel was obedient. Eli was gentle with him. Eli helped Samuel to discern the voice of God. Never underestimate a submissive heart. It's interesting, number five, never underestimate a submissive heart. The Lord called Samuel three times. At the end of the calling, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said to Samuel, I want you to give a word to Eli. I want you to tell Eli a message. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, verse number 16. 1 Samuel 3, verse 16. This is what happens as we close today. Verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. The answer said, He said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me, all the things that he said to you. Now, I want you to see how pleasant he is to you and how respectful Samuel is. Verse 18, Then Samuel told him everything. and hid nothing from him and said, Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems to. Hmm. Look at verse 15. Samuel laid down until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Why would a mentee want to tell a mentor that what you're doing is sinful? God said, Samuel, I'm training you. I want you to go to the priest and tell him. I will not judge him. Go tell him. I know you're afraid. Go tell him. And it's interesting to me that Eli said, whatever the Lord wants to do, let the Lord do. You know why this is powerful? A child is bringing a word to the priest. And the priest did not get jealous. The priest did not get defensive. He didn't turn passive aggressive. He didn't begin to throw things at his face. He had a submissive heart and said, whatever the Lord says will be made known. You cannot underestimate a submissive heart. Even when you don't want to hear. You see the correlation? 1 Samuel chapter 1. Eli's sons are sinning at the gate of the temple. And now you have Samuel sitting at the door of the temple. With the door opened up, he was laying there. And then you hear Eli calling Samuel my son. At the beginning, of the narrative you have two sons sinning and then in chapter 3 you have one son being righteous, which is Samuel. You have priests sinning at the temple gate and then you have Samuel laying before the Ark of the Covenant by the door. You see a reversal of what God was trying to do. Even though they may be wicked sons, and it looks like there's more wicked sons, I always have at least one son. And hold on, that son is hid away in the presence of God. While the other sons are in public sinning, I got someone in the back corner that nobody else sees, and he's hidden away in the presence of God. And I want to tell you something. That God speaks to people who are hidden away in his presence. God uses people who are tucked away in a back room, presence of God.